turn it up. You're listening to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm Emily Ferguson. And I'm Daniel Murray. Get ready, because we're taking you on a journey with today's marketing leaders and tomorrow's top stars. Let's go! No BS, just a fun, unfiltered industry conversation with the game changers behind some of the coolest companies from around the globe. The one request we tell our guests. Stories or didn't happen. A big welcome to our marketing fam. Prepare to turn the f*** up. This episode is sponsored by Rebe, the marketing analytics platform that gives you answers instead of more data. If you're looking at boosting conversions and understanding where you're going wrong, then you have to check out Rebe. No more wasting time on Google Analytics by looking through irrelevant data. Now you can get to the crux of your tracking and measuring efforts in just a few simple clicks. So how does it work? After you connect Rebe to your or your client's site, everything is tracked and analyzed automatically. That means whenever you launch a new campaign, landing page, promotion, or piece of content, you don't need to worry about those annoying tracking codes. You'll immediately have all the data you need in a user-friendly dashboard. Also, Arebi lets you create conversion funnels in just a few seconds. And you get to see how your visitors behave through these flows on your site. They also have cool integrations with platforms like Facebook, HubSpot, MailChimp. So make sure you check them out. They have a seven-day free trial. And the Marketing Millennials listeners get 20% off all plans with the promo code TMM20. That's T as in the, Amazon Marketing, Amazon Millennials 20. Or you can go to aribi.io backslash TMM. That's O-R-I-B-I dot I-O backslash TMM. Or use a link in the show notes below to claim this amazing discount. Hey, Sangram, welcome to the podcast. Always good to chat with you. Daniel, always a pleasure, man. Let's go. This is awesome. Yeah, I want to give the the audience a quick background on who you are. I know you have an interesting background. You're founder of a cool company. So I want to get started off there and then we can dive into the topic that we're about to talk about. Yeah, sure thing. I once heard uh, John Maxwell talk about this where he said, if you want to impress somebody, talk, talk about your... Uh, your success, but if you want to impact someone, talk about your failures. So I'll give both because a lot of times I think we all just talk about all of our, you know, what we've done good, but there are also a lot of things that we've done wrong. So as you said, I'm a founder of Terminus. Uh, this is, it's been a really cool journey for the last seven years, building it, author of three books. The last book that we will talk about today, Move, is a Wall Street Journal bestseller. So it's been a lot of really fun things to, to go along in my last seven years of journey as Terminus and just being a marketer. Uh, at large. But what people may not know, and this is the part of hopefully it's impacting and more relevant, is that I was let go twice in my career. Not, not a lot of people know that. I was fired uh, two times. I'm a DNF student. Uh, a lot of the, the reason I create frameworks is because I want to make it super simple uh, because I'm not, it's hard for me to take two complex ideas and, and keep pie in the sky. I want to see things practical and I know not it can be 100% proofed. But if I'm 80% that I'm fine, personally, also, I almost got divorced four years ago. So I am a pretty flawed in many different areas of life. So hopefully that impress and impact conversation would lean into where we're going to go next. Yeah, I mean, I, I just was talking to someone about this yesterday, how like, like failure is like the key to like success. It's like where you have to fail to learn. If you didn't have those failures, you probably wouldn't be where you are today i mean it's it's, kudos to you for even like bringing that up and willing to talk about that amen man i think that's there's no such thing as a overnight success or like a long-term failure it's just a process awesome i want to get into the topic we're going to talk to about and i want to talk about like you just wrote a book which is awesome called move about go to the go to market framework could you give a little background on what the book's about? And we could talk about like some of the key points in the book that you hit on. Oh, absolutely. So for people who know me and you know this, Daniel, my first book was on ABM, which was focused on marketing only, accountants marketing. The second book I wrote was ABM is B2B, which was marketing and sales. But this book, which really is, is really, really fun research project, really for me for the last couple of years is about go to market, which brings 
marketing, sales, and customer success together. Like that's the crux of it. A lot of people think go-to-market is a sales thing or a channel thing, or when you launch a new product, how are we going to go to market with that product? That's pretty much where people start and end. And in the research where we interviewed Brian Halligan, who's the CEO of HubSpot, or Nick Meta, Gainsight CEO, Jeffrey Moore, who were crossing the chasm, or people like Megan Eisenberg and Sydney Sloan, who are one of the best marketers right now, I found that it's it's that their understanding of go-to-market is quite different and quite interesting. And so to me, what I'm proud the most of is the research and interviews that went in. And here's a premise for the book. Less than 1% of the companies even hit a million in revenue. That's a known stat. Most people, if you're still thinking about building a company side hustle, just recognize that one, it's very hard. And two, getting even to a million is less than a 1% chance based on data from many, many, many different companies. But one of the ones that really hit me and is the, is the genesis of this book is this research by McKinsey, and they call it the Valley of Debt. Anybody can Google and look at SaaS Valley of Debt, they will find that out. And they found out that less than 0.4% of the companies even hit a 10 million or even lower number for, to, for that company to be a $50 million company. So in other words, not only starting a business is hard and marketing and all that stuff is hard to get a million, but as you get to 10 million or 50 million, the chances of number of companies who would make that will actually go down like significantly. And, and they found that the research, it wasn't the vision. It wasn't that they couldn't hire great people. Their data and research showed that it was go to market. And that really became the, the genesis of writing to help companies figure out what their next move really should be. That's like super interesting because I think, I know in your book, you talk about this, but like what you, we just talked about go to market is not falls on not one department it falls on the whole revenue org and it needs to be aligned. And then also not even the whole revenue, it includes operations. But the one point that you also make is that like, it has to start with like, the leader of the company, the CEO of the company, like they have to have the vision of what, where to take the strategy, not like it can't lie on like one, the CMO, because otherwise it doesn't align revenue with the whole revenue or. Oh man, Dan, I'm so glad you brought that up and, and, and picked up on that. That was literally one of the most, like the biggest aha moment for me and Brian, uh, my co-author in this book. Because quite frankly, we walked in this very naively. We walked in, we were marketers, like, like maybe this is our marketing and sales working together and maybe the next level of it. But when we talked to, I'll quote two people specifically that we interviewed um, for this, which is Brian Halligan, as I said, and also Scott Dorsey, who was the CEO of Exact Target, and they, and they, they acquired Power about my last company, and then all that I ran marketing at. And then uh, we're acquired by Salesforce for $2.7 billion, And that's how Salesforce got into Marketing Cloud. So both of these are incredibly amazing, successful CEOs. And both of them said, when I asked this question as part of the research, so who owns go to market? And without even blinking, flinching, both of them individually on separate calls said, oh, I own it. And I'm like, come on now, you, you, you both are public company CEOs, you guys, they, got, like, there's no way if you say that the buck stops at the CEO, I get it. Like, maybe that's the notion. They're like, no, 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 you didn't get us. Yeah, you didn't understand. There are only three jobs that a CEO does. Number one, they have to be the one that is constantly talking about the vision of the company. Where is the company going and getting the investors, the customers, the employees, the teams, Everybody excited about the vision. Nobody else but them have to constantly be the, the enforcer of that, right? That's, that's the number one job. Number two is culture, which is if you can have great people, you're never going to build a great company. It's this period. So constantly thinking about culture. And the third thing, which is the unsexy part, is like they own go-to-market process. And I'm like, okay, define for me, what, what do you mean by go-to-market process? Like how can a CEO own that of a billion-dollar public company with 100,000 customers? I can't even wrap my brain around it. And Brian had a very simple, Brian Halligan had a very simple definition. He said, go to market is like a product. It's a iterative process that you go through every single week, every single month, every single year. You don't, you, it's not a strategy. You don't go offside with your executive team and come up with it. That's, that's called visionary. That's called creating goals and KPIs where you need to go. 
but go to market is a process. And so he gave me a few things that Daniel, I think might be useful to to the listeners. He said, who do you think can think about or make the decision between should we put money in marketing or hire an SD, uh, another SDO? Who can make the decision when it comes to, to making that decision around opening a new market in EMEA versus continue to focus on, on your North America if that's where the company is? Ultimately, who is going to essentially figure out should we acquire a company or should we partner? Or who's going to make a decision of like in HubSpot's case, starting an agency program versus not? These are all the ideas that actually are about going to market. It's not, and, and a lot of times I think you look at it very myopically, at least I did. I thought go to market was just a new product launch or a sales channel or a sales process, but it's so much more bigger than that. And that's why the CEO owns it. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point because it's like, okay, the head of growth says, hey, let's go unlock this new industry. The head of marketing says, hey, let's go unlock this new channel. Like the head of sales says like, oh, we should go, like have field sales in this geo area, like the head of like customer success says we need to hire more onboarders or something like that. And like, if you have it under the CMO, like the CMO can make the call on all, all four of those things. Like, cause they're all different things. Like it happens all the time. It's like, Oh, we need to go unlock this all market, but we don't have a marketing strategy to do it or blah, blah, blah. So it has to align through everybody. Like, and that's a great point that you make. Cause I think like there's like, there is micro like strategies that you go to market, but it is part of like the whole bigger picture of like what the CEO says, like, Hey, we're, we're doing this to like go to market. And what the point that I think you made that I like a lot is like, Go to market changes like throughout your whole company journey. It's not like like when you're at a million dollars, the go to market strategy could just be like unlock a new marketing channel. But like when you're a hundred million dollar company, it could be acquiring a business. It could be going international. It could be like there could be millions of different. There could be ten different options. Like so, it's like. Totally could be and. And I'll, if anybody listening right now, Daniel, is still in, on the fence of like, well, I'm not sure if go-to-market is, let me just offer this. Uh, another, before we get into uh, maybe the, the framework or uh, how do you know your go-to-market is broken, I believe in the research that we found out that, that go-to-market is actually your greatest competitive advantage. So, so a lot of people, when I've run this poll literally last week again, and I think it, the, the answers are wrong, in that I gave options, three different options on the poll. Uh, one was, what's the, the question was, what is your competitive advantage of the business that you're working on? And the options were product. The second option, action was product, meaning features. The second option was personality, meaning having a brand. And number three was a process, which is a go-to-market process. And almost the product and personality were almost 50-50% and very little for the go-to-market process. And what's interesting about that is that the poll is wrong. The answers are wrong. People are still, this is the reason why only a few companies get it right because majority think about it differently. And, 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 and in our perspective, it's wrong. Because when you think about your product as a differentiator, you got to understand that there's right now, is, it's the lowest kind of point of entry for anybody to build a product that is better or faster and cheaper than you. Like, product is no longer the competitive advantage. Anybody can go and build a very similar product that you do in half the time once you figure out that there is a product market fit. So it's no longer the competitive edge. Think about brand, which is a competitive advantage to a certain extent, but ultimately when you, when it comes to push comes to sub, uh, shop and you're in a deal to deal, you might be able to get into the deal, but you may not be able to close the deal because you will open more doors. But if you're not able to close more doors, you actually don't create a healthy business. And I've seen that firsthand myself. And the third one, which I believe and where the book leads everybody to is that the go-to-market process, going back to the McKinsey study, the reason companies fail is because their go-to-market doesn't evolve as the team evolves, as the product evolves. The go-to-market team, the go-to-market process never evolves in the companies. So when I ran that poll, Daniel, I don't know if you were surprised. I don't know if you saw that, but I was surprised, shocked. And then I'm like, ah, yeah, it makes sense. If everybody knew it, then, you know, not so many companies won't fail. Yeah, I mean, that is so super interesting to me. And I also like that 
and you're like, did you talk about that? Like, cause this is hits close to home that like you need a rev ops operational team to oh, yeah. execute the go to like help execute the go to market strategy, because there's so much process like data alignment of teams and like that's where RevOps comes in and helps with the process the insights the the data the 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 overall picture of being like that strategic advisor to the the leaders and ultimately RevOps is there to align all those leaders that you're talking about like the head of customer success head of marketing head of sales like they're like the connective tissue of the whole yeah. process. Yeah, I can even share a quick story if you if you want. Yeah. To so two years ago, two and a half years ago, uh, we hired Mallory Lee. She runs our. Uh, she's the head of RevOps now, and we hired her as a director of RevOps at that time. Uh, and until that point, we had a loose understanding of what RevOps really meant, and it has evolved. As a matter of fact, I give a credit in the book. If people go to themovebook.com, they can download all the scorecards. Because I think we covered right before we started record, this is that based on the stage of the business, you probably want to to hone in on a few metrics that are different than the next stage. So if you're an early stage, you don't you don't need to to start tracking NRR and GRR like that will just make your head spin and it doesn't drive your business forward. But if you are in a certain stage of the business that the the templates cover, you'll be able to quickly figure out oh these are the metrics that's going to make it valuable. But the story goes and 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 she's still working at Terminus. She started this, this thing where the, every, every single executive meeting, Daniel, that we have on Tuesday, we start, uh, starts with her. So we have all the leaders of all the teams, executive leaders come in, and she will come and present for about 10 minutes a go-to-market scorecard. And that's what's in the book, and that's where the RevOps, all of that stuff came about. And the go-to-market scorecard, which is also on the movebook.com, people can just, no email needed, just download for free. But if the go-to-market scorecard had marketing, sales, customer success, product usage, expansion, all that data pulled all together. She reports directly to the CFO. That means she has no allegiance to anybody on the team. And she would come in, Daniel, and she would say, hey, look, here's how everything is looking. Here are the top areas that are performing really well. And here are the top three things that I think we need to go fix and figure out. And done, that she's gone. That's all she would do. And what would that do for the rest of the next hour, hour and a half, hour longer executive meeting typically runs, we would essentially be working on, okay, how do we address these challenges? So nobody is fighting over, oh, these are my marketing numbers. So these are my sales numbers. She got it all dialed in. She got all the stuff, all the ops people are reporting into her. So there is no more who moved my cheese conversation happening in in that meeting. The whole conversation is as a marketing leader, I and our CMO, we would talk about, hey, you know, we are business leaders and we see something that we can help from a marketing perspective. So we'll jump in there. Uh, the CRO would look at, hey, I'm a sales leader. I can jump in from a sales perspective, business leader, and I can jump in from a sales. So everybody became a business leader instantly because no longer they were not find, fighting for somebody to give them credit. They were, we are all now uh, empowered to think about how do we drive our business forward. So I thought RevOps, we created org charts in the book. We created, I went so deep in it. And I'm so glad you brought that up because to me, and here's where I, I want everybody to kind of lean in. To me, what I've learned through this journey of the book, Daniel, is this. The second most important role in the company, and I say the first one being the CEO because they own the go-to-market process from that perspective. But the second most important role in the company is RevOps. And starting the book, that's not what I thought about. I didn't even know much about RevOps as a, as a thing. But at the end of the book, when we're done with the research and the process that I've gone through, that I've watched personally for the last two years, I was like, oh gosh, because TK, our CEO, will ask this question. So where should we invest next? The only person who can objectively answer that question is the head of RevOps. But yeah, you, you make a great point because RevOps is usually like, the source of truth and then the other thing RevOps is is like what happens if you don't have a RevOps function is that market leaders are very good at 
telling a story around their metrics so they can they they can pick out the metrics that they want to talk about to the leaders they're not going to talk about like the flawed metrics all the time or they'll take the flawed metrics and come up with a story of like how it's okay and blah 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 because they're ultimately their job is on the line so like that's why it's like RevOps can come in and be like hey actually like pipeline is low because of these xyz keep leading indicators that are happening like what are we going to do about it and then let the the leaders start talking about it i I think that's a great point and also a great point i think you make in the book because i see this all the time is that it's so funny to me because like like tam is such a ridiculous thing because it's like their product market fit does not always fit all TAM. Like your product evolves and can eventually capture the TAM, but like what are what part of the TAM is relevant to your audience, you as a company right now, that's who you should be going after, not everybody in your TAM, yeah. which I love that point. Yeah, we, we call it in the book, as you uh, clearly know, uh, reflects on, is instead of calling it TAM, which makes sense in a problem market phase, because you're just trying to figure out if, if there's enough market and will people pay for it, you need to quickly, in order to get the product market, you need to as quickly as you can, and sometimes it could take a long time, as you know, Daniel, is it might you might be in a, in a, in a, in a problem market fit, a $20 million company is still in problem market fit. Why? Because you still haven't figured out the the repeatable relevant market, which we call in the book to total relevant market, TRM, to go in and be able to say, oh, we can go after manufacturing industry in this region, in this vertical, at this size company, at this price point. If you're not able to get to that answer quickly, or, or this is a use case we can solve without creating any integrations or any complications in our business model, you're not at a product market fit. So we have done in our research, we found hundreds of companies that were 10, 15, $20 million still in problem market fit. They haven't crossed to product market fit. That's because they didn't have a TRM. As a matter of fact, here's another quick story. We're sitting in a room where one of the investors and the CEO of this company, they had a 50 million in revenue company. All right. Note this 50 million in revenue company with their net retention rate about 75%. Their competitor was a $30 million company with a net retention rate of 120%. The CEO of the 50 million company was said, hey, Greg, you know, like, you know, these, the $30 million company just raised a fund, raised uh, money. Their valuation now is $1.2 billion. He was feeling really awesome that he's a $50 million company CEO. He, and he should, he should get a much bigger valuation. His valuation came out to be 500 million. And he was shocked. He's like, wait a minute, I'm a $50 million company. How the heck does my valuation become just 500 million? And the point being that the net retention rate was just 75%. So our feedback to that CEO is, look, if you were a $30 million company with a net retention of 120% or more, we would your valuation would be very similar. But because you have 20 million of assets right now or, or customers right now that do not have a repeatable use case, that do not have, the, they're all these tangential services that you're cloaking in. You hired engineers and all, you have a lot of unnecessary debt founded in your, in your company right now. You're doing these unnatural things to do all this stuff. Because of that, it's, it's pulling you down, man. And that's what's not helping you create a valuation in a business that is much more valuable and attractive for it. It was a really sobering moment for him and for us to go through that process but the point literally remains that he never understood the whole RevOps thing. And it took a while for him to understand the NRR, the net retention rate. And as companies move from problem market fit to product market fit to platform market fit, the three P's that we talk about in the, in the book, I think that is one of the greatest lessons that I learned at, at Terminus as well as in the book. You got to figure out how do we quickly get to NRR over 100%. I love that. I think every company that I've been in, that like SaaS company, like if you ask them like what the number one metric is, it's like they look at as churn. Like yeah. like in SaaS, it's like like how are we keeping customers happy? Are we keeping customers tur- like are we keeping customers? Are we retaining customers? And then, but also it's like the happy part's like the most important thing is because that effect, that network effect of customers talking is so powerful that people don't understand it's like 
one happy customer could bring in 10 new customers just from yeah. them speaking to the market. And then that also helps with the whole piece of the pie because you have a customer in the say Los Angeles, you can use that customer as a, a story to get other people in like Los Angeles, for example, because now you, you've proven you've got like that customer, they were happy customer, you can use them as a story. So that's why you made the point, like it's the whole funnel, like you have to have like revenue, revenue coming in net new and then reoccurring revenue that is staying. It's like, you can't just focus on like, net new revenue or upsell revenue you have to focus on like retention revenue as well it's a business change conversation and that's one of the reasons why i've been showing that the book uh this time that i've written it is not an inspirational book uh it is not something that and i hope it doesn't ever be called and even though it hit wall street and all that stuff which tells me that there's a lot of lot of demand for understanding what a good true go to market needs to be but I don't want people to think about this as an inspiration book where that you learn and see and oh, and you throw it away. And I don't know. This is a transformation book. This is a transformation story. If companies want to go from problem to product to platform, if they truly want to become one of those great companies, you have to figure out what your go-to-market process really is going to be about. And you have to therefore transform your business. And there are a lot of great companies, a lot of great products today that will never see the light on the shelf purely because they don't have a good market. You and I both know, and people listening right now would be knowing this as well. There are a lot of companies we know that have great products, but they do not have the shelf life. They do not, they're not on the shelves. They're not, people are buying, uh, buying them off the shelf. Why? Well, not because they, they, they don't have a great product, but purely because the go-to-market is just not evolved. Now, at the same time, I want to make sure that I made this point a great go-to-market is not a, a reason to have a bad product because bad product will automatically over a period of time will start smelling and rotting and, and move out. So it's not a recipe for like, oh, just have a great go-to-market process and product. The point I'm trying to make is go-to-market is the competitive advantage. Your product is stable stakes. I would even argue that like product is part of the go-to-market strategy because, be, yes. because like... If you don't have, let's say you have a product and you're going to go in a different industry and you don't have the feature set or the capabilities to capture that relevant market that you talk about, like you can't, it's hard to succeed. Like if you don't have the the product part of it, like you can, you can say like, like the CEO could say like, Hey, let's go and capture this new market. But if you don't have like, the features and set like how is marketing going to market to it how is sales going to sell it like how is customer success going to retain it you need the product as part of that whole package and i think product needs to align with all of these things yes. all, all of these things like the go-to-market team is those three function but product is like definitely yeah. the, like a big part of it yeah it's in the it's in the service of it right you gotta have a product to sell but the, it doesn't sell by itself and if, I mean, there are a lot of companies who want to be product-led, and, and obviously that is a, a way of going, going to market. But even in a product-led company, I know Calendly is, we started with Calendly over here in Atlanta, or Full Story, and there are a lot of companies who are product-led. They all have sales and marketing and customer success teams right now working and making it better. You, you're, I mean, so it's not, unless you're a B2C company forever, uh, it's a different story. But if you're a B2B company, even product-led company at some point, in order for them to cross that vacuum, cross that, have that escape velocity to become a platform, they are going to need a great, great, great go-to-market process. Yeah. And I think what also that I'm getting to it is like, it's a foundational thing. Like you need the foundation to even like, of those three things to even start doing these things. Like if you don't have the foundation that like the full funnel like if one part of like this go to market, it's broken. It's hard to go to market. Like if yeah. like sales is broken, but marketing and CS is fine. You're still going to be screwed if marketing's broken and sales. And you might be able to do something, but if they're not fully aligned, full funnel, like the go to market strategy is pretty much screwed. I think you you bring and you may have noticed in the book we we talk about this. There are like these four elements in it. 
and this might be a sobering thought for everybody listening right now. So, so lean in on this one. If you product, let's just say you create, but you can't sell, you got to go to market problem, right? Because you sell something is broken there between demand and sales process. Now, let's say you can sell, but you cannot deliver. Now you got a product problem because to your point, yo, you, you just create amazing demand. You've got great salespeople, but you can't deliver uh, on the promise. So you, you, you have that issue. Well, now you delivered it. Let's just say you are able to still deliver it, but you cannot get the customers to renew, which means you don't have ROI for the customers. They like what you're doing. They see what you're doing. They even use what you're doing, but it's not creating a true ROI for them to go up the chain and say, this is something I want to renew every year. You got to go to market problem. Let's say you renew, but you can't expand over a period of time, which means you cannot create a more bigger wallet of wallet share for your company. Then you, you got to go to market problem because your customer success, expansion services is not leaning in. So all of these areas of creating, selling, delivering, renewing, expanding, all of those areas are literally different areas where you can find your go to market is broken. And there's no company that has all of these buttoned up because if that was true, then we'll live in a perfect world, which we know we don't. So you got to constantly figure out, okay, where are we going to focus on? You fix that, you move to the next one, you fix that, you move. And sometimes by the time you fix everything, the first one is broken again, right? And then you go back and start working on all of it, which is why we talk about this idea of figuring it out. What should be your next? move because you can take so many steps in so many directions. The question is not, can you take a move? That's not the question. The question should be, what is my next move? And, and therefore, we, we try to say that in the book and, and any of these presentations quite a bit, is that truly now, for the first time ever, companies are now in the business, or you are now in the business of building a high-performing go-to-market team. That's what you're really in business of. You're not in the business of just building a great product although that is table stakes and you should. It's not in the business of creating a great culture and have a great vision, although those are important and they're table stakes. But what's really at stake right now is, are you building and understanding that you're now in the business of building a high-performing go-to-market team? Yeah, and I, I, even going back to the point, like the, what would you just explain, like, like that's the, why there's the, the importance of like having like a RevOps leader looking at all of that at the same time is so important. Like, because like marketing be like, oh yeah, I'm crushing it. But like, who cares if you're crushing it if sales is not selling probably? Like yeah. who cares if you're not crushing it? Like who cares if sales is crushing, but you can't retain customers? Yeah. Like, like who cares? Like all those things are like needs a, a leader to be like, that's their whole job is like looking at full the full life cycle of like yes. the customer and how like figuring out like okay this part of the funnel is broken right now in the go-to-market strategy how do we fix it and the, the point also you made is like it's iterative like one minute it could be marketing the next minute it could be retention the next minute it could be this the next it's, it, it changes as your business develops and grows and Transform. Yeah. And even as the market market changes, right? All of a sudden, let's say you're doing really good. All of a sudden, you have this product proverbial product market fit and everything is working. And you're like, you're, you're sitting on your beach and saying, oh, I got things dialed in. Next, you know, you got a competitor selling the same exact thing at a lower price and all of your sales team is now going crazy. Like, hey, they're using exactly the same messaging that we do. And they're taking our customers for half the price. What do we do? What do you do now? Again, reposition. Again, you have to go back to the beginning of the cycle. It's like, what is our true story? Then your sales process. What is our... So you have to constantly evolve in this thing. This is not one and done set out there. It's not a vision statement that you can put it out there and see something will happen around it. You have to iterate on it, as you said, constantly. Yeah, and I also like that you talk about kind of Jeff Bezos kind of talked about this for e-commerce, but it's it's kind of the same thing in B2B of like having that the flywheel effect of like revenue like as a, a wheel and it just feeds each other. Like the net new customers coming in to retention, to referral, to coming back to the funnel. And it's a full funnel effect. It's not just like the funnel does not stop anymore. Like the, the way you thought about the funnel 
back then. And I know you had a book that flipped the funnel, yeah, which is was accounts, but now it's like flip the funnel, like the funnel is like now you have to like connect the funnel back up to the top because it's not a, it's now a wheel, it's not a funnel anymore. Um, it's not, and that's one of the truths in the book. We we started the book with six different truths, and then with Dan, what's funny as a side tangent is now that I've written three books, I feel this time when I wrote it, I just literally use the same exact format of the book as my last one. So I don't have to think about how I'm going to write this book. I want to focus on the content, but not the, the, the structure of it. So last book in this book, we start with six truths that people need to know to get their minds around this so that we level set any anything that people might be thinking on this topic. So we just level set that. And one of those truths is exactly that, that Think flywheel, not funnels, in order to drive your go-to-market process higher and better and faster. And then we go into this idea of the framework, like well, where the problem is, what is it? because I love frameworks. Like going back to my initial introduction, I love simplicity. I do not plan and 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 want to say that oh, the three piece framework, the problem, product, platform, or the move framework, which stands for market operations, velocity, and expansion, is the solution to all of it. Not at all, but it probably will take you eighty percent there. And, and the rest 20% is the, the novelty of your business and whatever might, might make sense. So the, there's freedom within the frameworks that are in this book. And then ultimately, what we leave everybody in the book with is a maturity framework. Because ultimately, you could say, oh, you know what? I got the sales and marketing dialed in, but not customer success. Or I got that dialed in, but I don't have RevOps. Or I got RevOps dialed in, but I don't have the product to go into a, to become a platform right now. So for all those reasons, we ended up creating on the movebook.com an assessment for companies that literally can go through it, gives them a nice PDF very quickly, and they can literally run through that tomorrow in their executive team and saying, hey, let's just run through that and see where we, our real strategic challenges are around go-to-market. And we hope people take that assessment home. I have a question for you. Like, How do you think VCs affect this like go to market strategy because like I think sometimes the pressure from hitting revenue numbers like affects that funnel like oh totally oh totally so in the book we have four personas that we talk about we talk about the CEO is the owner we talk about the CMO if you're a marketer listening to this you're the galvanizer your job is to ask these questions use these ways to facilitate conversation because really you have access to all of this stuff, probably more. And in many ways, I want to just invite marketers to think like you are probably the most strategic person on the team. Sales team have to continue to go. Every month starts with zero. CEO has a million different things going on. CFO, all this stuff going on. CMO gets the chance or marketing gets the chance to take a step back and be strategic in the way they think about it. So you're the galvanizer of bringing everything together. You think about CRO, which is typically your revenue leader or sales leader. They're the orchestrator. They have to go and execute. They're the doers of making all this thing actually happen day in and day out. But investors, the VCs, to your point, we talk about them as uh, as more of the guide because they're seeing all these patterns out in many different companies. So they need to do pattern recognition. Edison Partners, or one of our investors, Kelly Ford, who interviewed in the book for the book, uh, and also for the documentary that's going to come out on this, uh, she had over 200 exits. Uh, the investments that she had made in 200 companies had successful exits, and she created for their portfolio of companies a go-to-market excellence. And we talk about that and share that openly in the book uh, with their permission. And so, to me, investors, their job is to be the guide. When investors force the the CEO and the team to do a certain way. That's the problem because the nuances are too, too, too challenging for a VC to just say, oh, you should do this. But what VC can offer and should offer and where the CEOs and the leaders should take counsel on is, okay, give us some pattern recognition. What do you think is going wrong here? What do you think can go wrong here? Because vice counsel is very important. So to me, VCs, their job is to to be a vice counsel. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I've seen other companies like... The go-to-market strategy gets messed up because VCs want them to go capture a market that is not that doesn't fit their go-to-market strategy. Like, like yeah. their product can't fit it. Like, marketing can't support it. Sales is not equipped to sell it yet. Like, and it's like 
yeah, like the, the targets are not there. So it's, it's a, it makes a good point. There's also like people don't understand, like a lot of people don't understand. There's also outside forces, which is the that guide out there that's also affecting the internal forces that are yeah. happening. Um, but also what you said, also like all those revenue function could be great. A lot of it is like picking the right thing to do, like where to go next. Like, and it, that's the CEO has to make that decision. It's like, do we acquire a, comp- a new company to go into this new market? Do we build it ourselves? Like, do we like scale it? Like, do we, is it worth the resources to do that? Like, obviously they have help from like the RevOps team, like with the data, they have help with like the sales and marketing, but ultimately the decision is like, someone said to me the other day, which I think you, you will get as a leader was like, a lot of strategy is just like, saying no to a bunch of stuff and figuring out like what what to focus on like a lot of strategies like we needed like here's this 50 ideas out here i have to pick the three to go organization is is really important you know larry page founder of google said something that that i think has been used in many many places and i didn't get the context of it until recently when we did the book he said good ideas with great execution is how magic happens Think about that for a second. Good ideas with great execution makes, you know, creates magic. Well, what the heck does execution mean, right? Like Because everybody now says, oh, execution is the name of the game. Execution is where it is at. At some point, you need to start just executing. And I've heard that as a founder, like in the last seven years, 300 employees. We have seven companies we acquired. We have VC. We've raised over $120 million. I've heard that over and over again here at Pardot, you know, at Salesforce, all these things. And I'm like, what the heck does that mean when we say have great execution? Well, I feel I finally have arrived to the answer to it. Great execution is just great go-to-market process. That's mm-hmm. your great execution. You execute on a great go-to-market process. And by definition, that's an iterative process, as you've said. And I finally felt like, oh, this execution word finally has meaning to me because until this point, it was, oh, just execute, man. This is the time for execute. You just hit 10 million, start executing to get to 50. What does that mean? And and I think finally there's an answer to that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's like the guide to where you're going as a company. So you have like, you could be like, execution isn't necessarily the name of the game because if execution is not fitting what you just said, your go-to-market process is not executing. It's basically like just executing on internal goals that don't fit the end goal of what you're trying to do. So like execution, what you just said, I think that's a great way to put it is like, we're going after this market. Are we doing the right things in each part of the, the revenue organization that we just said? to go and get the goal of capturing whatever we've, we've set to set out to do. And if we're not doing that, then we're not executing. As much as we like to say, like, we did an amazing marketing campaign or sales is closing X amount of business and blah, blah, blah. Like, if it's not like in the whole strategy of like capture X amount of this market and blah, 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 or acquire blah, 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 like, it's, it, it actually is pretty meaningless like because it's yeah. not the ultimate strategy but that's why going back to you said you said again it, it all starts with like the top like the ceo has to be the, the person telling everybody like this is where we're going and it has they have to communicate that and if it changes it has to be communicated as well like it can't be yeah. but yeah i think that's a great point that you're making about I, I think this like framework is definitely helpful because like even like for me in RevOps, like uh, as a marketing ops person, I see like for me, like my whole goal is like, how could I give insights and actionable things as a a source of truth for marketing that I can give to the marketing leaders? For me, my goal is to give the CMO and VP of marketing and all those marketing leaders a a step back to be the source of truth and be like that third party person that has no like stake in the game. Like I'm just going to tell you how you're performing as a business. Like that's it. Like and I think that's part of like, and that's why you report up to like that ultimately that 
the bigger leader who has the whole all the pieces of the puzzle who can make that decision um to the the ceo right on right on cool is there any um other cool insights that you want to like talk about i know like you talk about competitive advantage but what about like the how does like competitors fit into like the the go-to-market plan yeah well i mean honestly if if the competitors are always going to be there for you as a company and your greatest competitive, more competitor, more than anything that I've learned, right? Like, again, Terminus, seven years into it, we're getting about 50 million revenue, 300 people. And I've gone through several valleys of depth, if you will, around five and 10 and 20 and 30, where I thought, oh my God, it, it worked, it worked, it worked, and stop. Work, 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 stop. Work, 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 stop. It just keeps happening. That's what it's called the valleys of death, uh, not just a single valley. And what's interesting about that is that. Competitors kept changing, Daniel. Competitors constantly kept changing. In the beginning, it was another company. Now it's another company or another set of companies because we've acquired five companies over the last seven years. So now our competitors are maybe sometimes bigger or in certain cases, it's a competitor for that piece of the feature or the product that we have, which is not truly a full-on competitor because that's not we're not trying to sell point solutions anymore. But what's the real competitor? real competitor is your internal team because you're always fighting for resources within a company and you're always prioritizing things. You like it or not, you're doing it on purpose or not, some things are automatically getting prioritized based on personality, people, whatnot. So what I'm learning from all of this is that your greatest competitive advantage is truly building a high-performing go-to-market team because your competitors in the market are going to continue to change. As long as you continue to build, refine, iterate, support, encourage, empower your high-performing go-to-market team, like that's the goal. And you continue to define that and expand that, going from sales to sales plus marketing, plus customer success, as you said, plus RevOps, uh, plus enablement, which is something that a lot of people don't talk about. We got in the book as well. These are the, the, the not-so-sexy part of building a great business that actually makes a great business possible. So I, I feel like people don't give those things too much credit. And I believe that's really where companies should focus on the most. That is well said, because even like we talked about before at the beginning, like brand is a competitive advantage, but brand needs to fit in is part of the go-to-market. It is a part of a go-to-market strategy. Like I want yeah. to like build brand. Like obviously I'm a big component of brand as a marketer. Yeah. Because it is in like community, all these community, like community and brand, but ultimately those two things are part of the end of cold market strategy. Like I need to build a brand, and the brand is going to keep changing as I, as the go to market strategy keeps changing. Like if we're going to go into a new market that doesn't know about us, like we have to brand is not going to help us anymore. So that's a great point. Well, I want to leave you with one thing. Like what are like most probably you could talk about this because i mean they probably kind of probably know the answer but what are most companies doing wrong with their go-to-market strategy today well uh, i think as 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 you said we probably touched on a couple of them one is most companies don't know what stage of the business they're in so if you don't know that again go to the movebook.com download those frameworks or if you have the book go do that by the way, I think you know this, all the proceeds for this year goes to New Story Charity, which is a, an incredible organization that we uh, we support as part of this stuff. So from all that perspective, it's been just, just fun. But most companies get, get wrong either not knowing what stage of the business they are in, meaning are they in a problem market fit or a product market fit or platform market fit? That's the first thing they need to ask. The second thing is most companies misunderstand what a competitive advantage really is. Um, they get too attached to the product and not the problem. So they need to reimagine that. So asking the question is, what is your competitive advantage? If your answer is product or, or your answer is brand, then you need to reimagine that because somebody's going to have a better, cheaper, faster product than you. Somebody's going to come with a bigger, better brand than you. So both of them are uh, the fleeting things. What you need to evolve on is really your go-to-market process based on McKinsey and all these studies around values of debt. And then ultimately, the last part is that the ownership has to truly be with the CEO. Most companies, 
don't really understand go to market. So they have the, it's like hot potato. Uh, whoever is the CMO or whoever is the loudest or whoever is the, the CRO, they end up becoming the, the leaders of go to market, not knowing that no, it is the CEO responsibility. So if you're a CEO listening to it, it's your responsibility to figure out what should be your company's next move should be based on all the counsel that you can get. But if you're not a CEO today, and let's say you're a marketer or a salesperson listening to this, you need to educate your CEO that, hey, there are decisions that only you can make. I can give you input, but you can make the decisions around the idea of, should we open an agency? Should we, oh, should we partner up or, uh, or should we buy a company? We can give you input, but ultimately you're making those decisions. And that's really what the true go-to-market process should be about, not just launching a new product, but that's campaigns and plans. Awesome. That was super valuable. I think that just like summarized like most of your book and just like one minute there. But I think the last thing I want to do is give you the time to talk about where people could find your book and where they could find you and all that good stuff. Well, Daniel, I, I super appreciate you having me on, on this one. Two things. I think I said a couple of times, you can literally go to www.themovebook.com. It's literally themovebook.com and, and download a lot of the frameworks we talked about. There's a move framework, the three-piece framework. We have scorecards, we have templates. The go-to-market scorecard that I shared about, all of that is just available to, to download for free. The book obviously is on Amazon and, and you know, it's doing really well. And ultimately, if you are listening to this podcast and something is exciting, just drop me a note on LinkedIn. I Just like Daniel, I try to post regularly over there. And if there's something that caught your attention, let me know and let me know your address. I'll ship you a copy of the book. Awesome. Awesome. I would take I'll take him up on that one, everybody who's listening. And thanks for joining. This was super awesome and super insightful. And it's a great topic that I think a lot of people don't talk about is like what actually is go-to-market strategy and how marketing, I know this is a podcast of marketers, but how marketing fits into that piece. And it actually... The biggest thing takeaway for most marketers is like it's not all on you. It's it's yes. on the CEO. Like the CEO at the end of the day is the person who needs to guide it. You can be that person who executes on it, helps guide the vision since you're you know the market probably better than anybody because you're a marketer and you should know the market better than anybody, but you can't make decisions that for, for the full funnel because that's not your job. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening.